When I say can you dig it, put your two hands up like that. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Can You Dig It, a podcast by SilverScreenAndRoll.com, recording on a Thursday, a Thursday night. Um, usually record on Sundays, but due to changes in the podcasting schedule, we may be recording on Sundays, Thursdays, and any day of the week. Uh, so if, if you're surprised to hear our voices today, either uh, congratulations or I'm very sorry. Uh, we used to uh we used to record on thursdays long ago at one point we've been all over the place so and uh it feels good to be back it's like we never left um (laughs) a lot to talk about even though the lakers did not play uh start let's start off with the portland trailblazers because they are a team of particular interest to the lakers right now they are directly ahead of them in the Western Conference standings, uh, or is it the Mavericks? No, it is the Blazers are directly ahead of the Lakers in the Western Conference standings with a half game up. Uh, They lost to the Phoenix Suns 118 to 107, a game that went down to the wire. Had the Trailblazers beaten the Suns, they would have clinched a spot in the top six. And the same will be true of the Dallas Mavericks if they beat the Toronto Raptors on Friday on a scale of one to 10, Jacob, how confident are you that the Lakers are going to finish in the top six? Uh, still not crazy confident. Mm-hmm. Um, first want to give a big shout out to Robert Covington. That was that in case you didn't see the final night game was one eighteen one seventeen, with, um, I had it pulled up here with five seconds left. Rocco had two free throws and choked both of them. (laughs) And then uh, Booker comes down, draws a foul, hits two free throws to win the game. Um, Who's his agent? Hold on. (laughs) Is he a clutch guy? (laughs) Is that what we're going into? Uh, The... Honestly, this seems he's a CAA guy. Damn. Uh, this this seemed like the the game I thought the Blazers could win more of their because they play the Nuggets next, and I just feel like Jokic is going to torch that team. Um, I don't know. I'm still what a what a fun, weird, wild. This is a fitting ending to this season. <laughs> like, this is pure chaos. I, I mean, just looking at the West standings after Thursday's games, and literally nothing is set in stone. There's kind of tiers. You know where you're going to finish within those tiers. But mm. outside of the Spurs are going to be the 10th seed, literally anything else can happen. Um, the Jazz and Suns are a game apart for the one seed. The Clippers and Nuggets are a game apart for the three seed. The Mavericks, Blazers, and Lakers are a game apart for the five seed. The Warriors and Grizzlies are tied and will play each other on Sunday, I believe, Saturday or Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, or, yeah, Sunday. This is going to be 
an all-time fun weekend of basketball. That I understand why the NBA did it, but that every one of these games is going to be going on at the same time effect- effectively uh, this weekend kind of stinks because I want to yeah. watch all of them. But, uh, boy, there is going to be maximum chaos. Um, but going back to the your original question, how confident am I? Man, I still probably, even if the Blazers lose, they have to beat the Pacers um, and the Pelicans on the road. The Pelicans have waved the white flag on the season, but the Pacers are playing decently right now. Two road games, man, I don't know. Um, I would say I'm like 55-45 that we're probably still going to be in the seventh seed in the playing game. But earlier today I was probably 75-25 that we were <laughs> going to be in the playing game. So it's improving. I, I think that's exactly where I'm at to that 55-45 spot. And what's weird is when you th- when you think about – the trailblazers versus the Mavericks in terms of the talent they have on the team and like their ability to scrap out wins at the end of the season. I don't know about you, but my general inclination is that the trailblazers are better suited to do it. And not only that, but the, the Mavericks when compared to the trailblazers have a much easier schedule to end this season. Uh, They close their season out against the Raptors and the Timberwolves the Trailblazers close their season against the Suns and Nuggets. And let's be clear. I've said this on the podcast before. Uh, the Mavericks lose to bad teams all the time. Believe they lost to the Sacramento Kings twice this season. Uh, if they did not just get totally sweeped. Let me double check on that. They did. They lost three straight to the Sacramento Kings uh, who completely bottled their chances of, of making the play in spot on Thursday night. The San Antonio Antonio Spurs threw them a bone, and I guess the Kings just aren't fan of bones. Uh, they're like, they, I was going to say a cat. I've never owned a cat. I don't think cats are fans of bones. They don't. They don't. <laughs> uh, the Spurs did literally everything in their power to allow the <laughs> Pelicans or Kings to get into the playing game, and both of them were like, "Nah, fam, we're good." Um, <laughs> the the Kings are just, they just pulled a Kings. Like that was always going to happen. Although they're injured right now. I know very badly, which is also the problem with the Pelicans. Uh, <laughs> the, on Wednesday, the Pelicans needed to win out and the Spurs had to lose out and they could still make the playoffs, which the Spurs are doing their part. And the Pelicans did not have Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, Stephen Adams, and Josh Hart. Probably their five best players were all out with injury. Uh, we've talked ad nauseum about the injuries and that the NBA doesn't seem to care. But literally everybody is just beaten and bruised right now. Um, yeah, that 9-10 game, whoever finishes the nine seed, Grizzlies or Warriors, at the risk of looking like an idiot and going against pop, I think that's going to be kind of a cakewalk game because the Spurs have just given up, it seems. Um, but, uh, I mean, outside of the Spurs, everybody seems like a like a competitive team. Like, 
the Grizzlies would be the only other one I'm not sure about, but I mean, their, their record indicates otherwise. So um, I know the Lakers have said they don't like it, but I love the playing game. Like all this drama is so much fun. Mm. When's the last time you cared about what the 11th and 12th seeds were doing on the final weekend of an NBA season? Like, I don't know if I ever have. (laughs) Yeah. That's what the Pelicans and Kings are. And well, I guess the final week of the season, we were still discussing the possibility of them being in the postseason. So I, it quelled a lot of the tanking, like the Pelicans and Kings uh, are six games out of the eighth seed. So long, long ago, they would have started tanking. Um, Same in the Eastern conference. Um, I mean, I would argue the Wizards might have started tanking well, well before they went on this wild run to get back into the postseason picture. So uh, the playing game worked, whether the Lakers like it or not, or other teams like it or not. um, It worked. And there might be some minor modifications you can make to it, but uh, I think it's here to stay because this is so much fun and it's going to create I think the ratings are going to be wild this weekend. And I mean, just think of the possibility, say the late, say the, the Warriors lose um, to the Grizzlies Grizzlies, and they're in the nine, 10 game and they win that. And the Lakers somehow lose to the Grizzlies. You have a Lakers Warriors winner goes or loser goes home winner goes to the playoffs matchup that will shatter nba viewer records for like <laughs> yeah, the last been... 20 25 years like you'd be talking to mj numbers that's <laughs> the two most popular players playing in a do or die playing game and if that happens the playing game's never leaving yeah i think uh the last time the nba just had like stupid high numbers was an elimination game between Steph Curry and LeBron James. Yeah. Uh, so there's precedent for it. I don't think the Lakers are going to lose, uh, but it's it's no, like it's like Frank Vogel and literally every head coach in the NBA has said, like, they're not worried about it, but they also know that crazy things can happen in one game as opposed to a series. That would be crazy, uh, but I am not counting on it. I agree. Lots of fun basketball coming up this weekend um you were right um nba finals history since this doesn't give an exact date it looks like maybe post 2000 somewhere around there regardless the most watched game is that Cavs warriors game seven 31 million people watched it the this playing game would get yeah the lakers the lakers were not in that game (laughs) Yeah, the Lakers, the Lakers Celtics game seven was second. Um, the top three are all game sevens. This would effectively be a game seven between LeBron and the Lakers and Steph Curry in the world. That I don't even, you could tell me any number of viewers for that game and I'd believe it. <laughs> it would just shatter records. The other possibility is just the Lakers and Warriors playing each other in that seven eight game. And I think that would even yeah. do numbers. Uh, so that's where the Lakers, I mean, it's looking like they'll they'll finish at that seven spot. If they don't, 
God, you start looking at the top three in the Western Conference and you're thinking, uh, I mean, with the exception of of the Jazz, I believe they locked up. Oh, wait, no, the Suns are only a game back. Wow. Um, you start looking at that 3-6 matchup if you're the Lakers because that's where the Lakers in all likelihood will, will cap out as that six seed. Right now, if things held and the Lakers moved up to six, Lakers-Clippers would be the first round series for them. So either way, this is looking like a massive W for Adam Silver. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm still fascinated by this viewership thing. I went back to look. So I believe this is the most viewed game in NBA history. Uh, Bulls, Jazz, 1998, mm-hmm. MJ's last shot, game six, 35.8 million people. They would they would safely be in that range for that do or die situation. They wouldn't be in that range. It, I I ultimately think it'll be a Lakers Warriors seven eight playing game. They're not going to get to those numbers. They're going to get really really high, <laughs> um, but they're not going to get to those numbers. But it's just so like there's literally no uh, no matchup whatsoever set in the Western Conference, and that just fascinates me. So. Um, Literally anything could happen this weekend, and um, I mean we've talked we've talked at length about who we want um, in the play or in the playoffs. We're not really going to have any kind of choice at this point <laughs> because the Lakers' main focus is just to win and get out of the playing game. Um, if they do that, that would probably set them up with one of the Clippers or Nuggets. I really don't want to play the Clippers in the first round, but. Uh, yeah, this is just a fascinating scenario where literally anything could happen, it feels like. I'm actually really interested in the matchups that they have right now. Like, assume assuming the play-in tournament goes chalk, you have Warriors-Jazz, 1-8. and eight. I'm going to be rooting for the Warriors so hard. <laughs> Not only because I, I would rather see them than the Jazz down the line. I think the Jazz have a good team, but... God, just seeing the the Jazz in the greatest season they've had in a very long time. Just get knocked out by Steph and Juan Toscano Anderson, who I love so much. Um, that Steph's video teammate. of him calling his bomb today, was, if you guys haven't seen, was <laughs> incredible. Uh, and then you got Suns, Lakers, two and seven. Lakers absolutely wiped the floor with them without LeBron James uh, and Dennis Schroeder. That's going to be an interesting matchup. It doesn't seem like they have any answer for Anthony Davis. And if there's one coach you think would have an answer for Anthony Davis, it's Monty Williams. Uh, so that that's not looking good for them. The one that really, really intrigues me is Clippers Trailblazers. Because all that talk last year between the Clippers oh, and Damian that. Lillard oh my for God. them to meet in a potentially seven-game series. I don't think it'll go to seven. But... uh no. For that to have just like a a nice ending to that chapter of what this book of NBA basketball that I would just love it. Give it to me that. Oh, my God. I didn't even think about that. See, I haven't even like considered these matchups. I want that so badly. I now I'm thinking about (laughs) the victory lap Damon CJ did on Twitter the night the Clippers got eliminated, even though they had already been eliminated. (laughs) Uh I would 
Dame would have a 60 point game that series <laughs> without a doubt. Yeah, he might not win it, but he'd go off. I, w- I so badly want a picture of him or a video of him waving <sighs> to Patrick Beverly after a winner. I don't even care. They can be down 3 nothing, and he hit a game winner. I need him waving to Patrick Beverly. This weekend's going to be fun. And uh, I don't know if you saw the report that Chris Webber is no longer with Turner Sports and isn't going to be with the postseason uh, for the postseason. I don't know which games are on TNT or going to be on TNT on Sunday. Uh, but if Martin Tyler's available, uh, legendary soccer broadcaster <laughs> for that final game uh, between the Grizzlies and and Warriors, just throw him on there. I I have I don't know how much he knows about basketball, but I have the absolute confidence that he'd make it the most dramatic play by play that that the NBA has ever seen. O- other than like Eric Collins, I think would maybe give him a run for his money. Oh, Eric Collins is incredible. It doesn't look like TNT has a game this weekend. Ah. Uh, ESPN has one. <laughs> they have Pelicans Warriors tomorrow, which I mean Just was pointless. almost yeah, almost was an important game. Um, and then ESPN has Celtics Knicks and Grizzlies Warriors on Sunday. That Grizzlies Warriors game is going to be a must watch as well because that will literally determine the. Eight nine, and there's a huge difference between eight and nine in the playing game. Lakers Pacers at ten a.m. one p.m. your time. Yeah, I don't, gonna... I don't, I don't get that. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm sorry, guys. I don't like that it's a one p.m. start any more than you guys like that it's a <laughs> ten a.m. start. Uh, when we get back from the break, we're gonna talk about uh the other festivities going on this weekend, uh, which is the. Naismith Basketball Memorial Hall of Fame induction ceremonies and uh, festivity. So we'll talk about that when we get back from the break. Due to the coronavirus pandemic, don't know if you've heard about it. It's been around for a little <laughs> while now. Um, the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame was not able to induct the class of 2020 in 2020. Uh, they pushed it back to this year, and the 2020 class is headlined by Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, and the late, great Kobe Bryant. Um, it's just one of those days that I think a lot of people have had since Kobe Bryant's passing, where you just have to uh, come face-to-face with the reality that he's just not here anymore. Um, I felt that when I was in L.A. the other day and I saw a mural of him. I obviously haven't been in L.A. much since the start of the pandemic. I do not live in L.A. Uh, But that and and seeing, you know, all the tributes that have gone up for him in – preparation for saturday's induction ceremony is just feels weird it still does not feel normal and i don't think it ever will yeah that's a good way of putting it putting it um there's still moments <clears throat> when it kind of hits you that uh he's not here anymore really uh and this was one of them um it 
I really am. I don't want to say I'm really interested, I guess. I don't know the right word um, in what Michael Jordan is going to say. He's the one that'll be presenting Kobe. Um, there was a really good uh, piece done by Jackie McMullen and ESPN this week. I would strongly encourage you guys to read it if you can, uh, where she talked to Michael. Um, and it was about the last te text message conversation they had shared. Um, it was, <laughs> I mean, to, to spoil it a little bit, the, the text message was uh, Michael Jordan kind of joking and calling him Coach Kobe. And Kobe responded, it was something along the lines of, yeah, I'm texting you from the bench. We're beating this team 45 <laughs> to eight right now or something <laughs> along those lines. So <clears throat> it was, it's one of the stories that just kind of, it puts a smile on your face, but also is a reminder that of the reality basically, which um, is going to be the case kind of as you alluded to, that's probably always going to be the case. Um, it's interesting. I'm interested in, in hearing Michael because uh, he's not someone who talks publicly a lot. Um, I was honestly shocked at the memorial service when he talked because um, I just can't remember a setting since really his Hall of Fame speech that he's done that. Um, and it was... I don't, I, again, I don't, I, interesting is the word I keep using, but like, I didn't realize how deep their relationship was. Right. Cause you and, always heard that they were kind of competing and Kobe wanted to be better than Michael. And you find out that they were, they basically saw each other as brothers and family. Yeah. I, I think that's the one thing that has stood out to me about Kobe Bryant after his death is, even Julius Randle had uh, an interview the other day where he was talking about how Kobe was just somebody that he would talk to regularly and, you know, Kobe would check up on him and the close relationship they had. And, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, wait, Kobe, Kobe didn't like young guys. That was the the story on him throughout his career is, um, you know, he, he doesn't care about young players because they can't help him win. And, you know, from Julius Randle to Kyle Kuzma, who he formed a relationship in his post-playing days. Um, it's it's strange. And I, I think Michael Jordan is another example of, you know, it's kind of uh, two, two sides of the same coin, uh, Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, because they were such fierce competitors that it's it's almost weird to think about them having any sort of relationship Um with another player uh, current or former. And I think the thing that really surprises me about Michael Jordan is you do have older players that have made it no secret how much they adore, uh, you know, players they played with or, you know, players they played against at the later stage of, of his career. I think the best example of somebody that just has the utmost respect for the stars of today's game and, and the past is, Allen Iverson, you know, anytime Allen Iverson has an opportunity to give props to somebody that's pushing the game forward, 
now or you know laid the foundation for him to do what what he was able to do in the league he does it michael jordan was not really one of those guys when he was playing maybe michael would pay respect to the people that came before him when he was playing since then he's either kept himself out of the conversation entirely or if he's brought into the conversation he reminds everybody how many championships he won how many accolades he has and and you know how much better he is than than today's players for him to have a relationship with kobe bryant it will never not be weird to me but at the same time because they are two sides of that same coin and because i i I think and, and michael even alluded to this at Kobe Bryant's memorial service, it was kind of like a a big brother and an annoying little brother relationship where it was like, okay, you want to be like me, but I mean, you're, you are kind of like me and I, I like that about you. And um, so I, I think, I think he's a a fitting person to induct Kobe. Uh, And I think the rule is that you have to be a hall of famer to induct the other person or else I'm sure they would have considered another name like Pal Gasol or even Vanessa Bryant. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what he says and how it differs from, from what he said at the memorial service. Uh, Jordan said in that piece that uh, he kind of thought that uh, he would be the person to induct him, uh, induct Kobe. He basically said it'll probably be either me or Shaq. Mm-hmm. Um, which, I mean, I don't know the rule on, on inducting someone that would make sense. Um, but really the, the only three people I could have really seen would be, uh, Michael Shaq or probably Phil Jackson. Um, those seem to be the, the three people that are kind of close, most closely connected. Mm -hmm. Um, just the other thing about MJ speaking, just the fact, as you said, that he just isn't in the conversation or takes himself out of it, I should say. It means that when he does say something, um, it matters more. It carries more weight. Mm-hmm. People listen. Excuse me. So uh, it'll be, I mean, that's what made it so fascinating I mean, a lot of the stories from his memorial and really since his passing were just fascinating. As you kind of said, just the, all the connections he had made that he just kept behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Like, in a sense, it's not even in a sense, it's just it's frustrating that this is how we had to find out because I think it changed a lot of people's perceptions I mean, Lakers fans were always going to love him, but I think a lot of kind of NBA fans and basketball fans, it changed their perception of Kobe because he just did so much stuff, was so connected to so many people, but never wanted it to be like seen. Like it was always behind closed doors. Um, There's so many stories of... um, people being injured and Kobe finding out how to get their number and texting them. Um, and as you said, with like, uh, with Kuzma and with Randall, um, two guys, I mean, he played a little bit with them, but, uh, 
just staying kind of connected with them. Um, I remember the story, Mario Chalmers, when he tore his Achilles, he said he got a text from a random number that just said, <clears throat> like, the, the worst is behind you, the best is coming. Mm-hmm. Um, Wesley right Matthews now, had a similar story. Yeah, and they were like, uh, time to focus and get better. And Mario Chalmers didn't even know who the number was. Um, he was like, if I recall, he, Mario responded with, who is this? And Kobe just responded with, Bean. So, I mean, like, that just kind of perfectly encapsulates who Kobe is or who Kobe was, I should say. Um, it's it's still surreal. Um, but it, like I said, I, I'm, I'm eager to tune in and listen. It, it's going to be another one of those probably emotional days. But, uh, I mean, what a class to go in with. Mm-hmm. I mean, the... Two of the people of his generation maybe most heavily, maybe not associated with them, but the two guys who were at the top with him for most of it were Tim Duncan and Kevin Garnett. Um, And to go in with those two, I mean, those are two all-time greats as well. So the ceremony Saturday evening, I believe, or afternoon for you guys, um, I want to say 5.30 Eastern. I know it's on ESPN. I'll be tuning in for the whole thing. Um, I'm excited to see it, but yeah, as we kind of said, it's just another unfortunate reminder of him being gone too soon. I, yeah, I I love KG and and Tim Duncan. I know it's kind of taboo to say that you like KG if uh, if you're a Lakers fan because of uh, that Celtic series, but uh, I, I don't really view him as a Celtic they, they only won one championship together. It almost feels like a, that was just a pit stop in his career. He was incredible at series, don't get me wrong, but um, I will always view him as a Minnesota, Minnesota Timberwolf. So. I, loved, uh, I loved KG. Um, I'm right there with you. I Before we traded for Pow, there was a, a trade in the works, on mm-hmm. the table, whatever you want to call it, of the Lakers trading for KG, and I was – super excited because honestly he was one of my favorites um in a lot of ways him and kobe were similar in terms of kind of their personality and mindsets i would contend that they would have won at least as many titles as him and pal did (laughs) they don't they didn't they wouldn't have quite complimented each other on the court the same way but just the sheer like mental strength that those two would have just willing that teams or the teams to wins and whatnot Mm -hmm. that would have been so much fun to watch and i mean through every one of those titles that kobe won um through a lot of the playoffs that kg stumbled in it was tim duncan that that did it so um yeah what a what a terrific class that i Without really looking, <laughs> I know this is probably not the uh, best way to present this, but I can't imagine a better Hall of Fame class like than yeah. those three. Yeah, especially for like people around our age, it's like this. This is each class, which makes it sound very old, uh, but each class going forward is more or less people we watched growing up uh, and and the people that made us love basketball uh, the way we do. Love Tim Duncan, uh, but I'll say he's no Anthony Davis. 
Okay, is that, Just... is that the uh, scorching take we're hitting on? <laughs> no, it was a uh, it was a tweet that was flying around Twitter like when the Hall of Fame class was announced and everybody was like, "What are you talking about?" Okay, I, I'm I'm glad I missed that tweet, but I was about to say, Bud, <laughs> that is a take that I am never going to back you on. Yeah, no, Tim Duncan was. Uh, I have a a print in my room uh, by Ryan T. Simpson. Uh, does great basketball prints and he has a a print called throne room and it is position by position the greatest players uh in his opinion at each position and on it it is magic johnson michael jordan lebron james tim duncan and kareem abdul jabbar and i was like yeah this i i agree let's buy this print (laughs) yeah i think my the the kind of perfect encapsulation of Tim Duncan, his career at least, is in the first time they met LeBron, I want to say it was like 03, somewhere around then, uh, in the finals, I should say, uh, when they swept um, when they swept the Cavaliers. And there was the footage afterwards where uh, he went up to LeBron and like they were kind of congratulating one another. And Tim Duncan said like, you know, this is about to be your league. Like, you're going to take over. Like, you're, you're right there. And then literally 10 years later, they're still meeting in the finals. <laughs> like, uh, 27-year-old Tim Duncan, I want to say, yeah, he was 27 the year they met the first time. And they were meeting again when he's 35, 36, 37. So um, a few players – were able to contribute as long as he did. He was, I despise that man, as I'm sure most Lakers fans did for a lot of his playing career, just because of how great he was. Um, and But it led to some memorable moments. Um, it made the wins all, the, all that much sweeter. Um, but yeah, it's kudos to him for being the second best player of his generation. Uh, that'll do it for our show this week uh, maybe if we're recording again on Sunday <laughs> we'll be back uh, in three days yeah, to talk about the Hall of Fame ceremony uh, if not we'll we'll talk to you next week about god the playoffs or the oh playing my. tournament wow playing tournament actually yeah <laughs> uh, so we'll, we'll talk to you guys then <laughs>